0: When I put up my first few blog posts and I shared my story, oh my God, the messages and feedback that I got from that was amazing. There were people that were close to me that were experiencing the same thing I was going through and I didn't know. And when I was going through that time and I share more in depth on my blog about my story, there was close friends that I could could call and say, you know, okay, girl, are you experiencing this? And I couldn't because of the shame and the stigma. And I was like, no, we can't, I can't go through this anymore. My people and my community need a safe space that they can talk about these things. I would say it's a blessing in disguise. I would say it's one of the best things that happened to me. Gee, I didn't appreciate it when it happened, but I'm appreciating it now to allow for that space for people to, 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 to talk about mental health.
1: My name is Jessica Brennan, and I am obsessed with all things clean living and helping you lead a clean, healthy lifestyle that doesn't have to be hard, expensive, or time-consuming. I'm a mama of twin boys who found some really scary ingredients in the natural body wash we were using and turned my outrage into passion to help others eliminate toxins from their daily lives. Listen in on honest conversations and learn the best tips and tricks to take control, simplify, and rid toxins from your mind, body, spirit, and home. If you're ready to take the plunge into clean living, but aren't quite sure where to start, you are in the right place. This is the Clean Living Made Easy podcast. All right, welcome everyone. Jessica here. In this episode, we are going to be talking to Melanie Hendricks. She is passionate about bringing mental awareness and talking about mental health to the forefront so that it becomes More mainstream, and people become more comfortable talking about this. It's, you know, like physical health, a very important part of our overall health and wellness. And we shouldn't be ashamed of it. So I'm excited to talk about this and dive right in. So, can you give us a little bit of your background, introduce yourself, and tell us about your personal journey? Um, you started in finance, and now you have a blog called Dopamine on the Rocks. So can you just kind of talk about that journey?
0: Sure. First of all, thank you so much for having me. It is such a pleasure. This is my first podcast guest interview, so I'm really excited about that. Um, I am Melanie Hendricks. I am a mom of three, and now my blog is one years old, so I just got into blogging um, like you said, I am. I am still in finance, Just trying to ease my way out there. But now I found my new passion in writing and mental health advocacy. My career journey and growth is one of my most proudest accomplishments. I mean, I didn't take the the normal route. I was a teen mom um and two weeks after my daughter was born her dad was on his way home and he got robbed and killed so i had to not only deal with that taking care of myself taking care of a new newborn but um kind of figuring out what am i good at what am i gonna do for a living to support us so um i had my my parents are jamaican And I'm first generation B.B. Islander. So I came back to the island of Tortola, where I was born in the British Virgin Islands and kind of started my career there. I started in administrative jobs. Like I said, my first job was like an administrative assistant at a local newspaper. And I kind of have to give the Island Sun credit for my editing background because they really helped me a lot with that you know nobody nobody wants to read a uh, newspaper that has like grammatical errors and typos and whatnot so all that typing and all the editing sure they come in hand you now so i have to give them props for that and i recall the editor and manager of the newspaper she had her own little column in a newspaper called Ask Peggy. And I always used to fantasize about having my own um column. I used to love reading those growing up. And they working with them, I I got into accounting a little bit. Um as I as I moved on to a different company, I started in reception and then within six months I was in the accounts department, which was wild. Um yes I was already impressive that you made that leap so quickly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah it, it 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 was, it was. I, I even shot myself. as <laughs> I was still unsure about it because you have to remember, I, at that time, I didn't have any degree behind me at that time. And I really had to work my way up. So I started in reception. The position became open when one of the employees left and they didn't come back from vacation. So they said, okay, Melanie has some experience. Who can we use internally to who already knows a company and they picked me, I did it and I excelled. And that's where my accounting career began. And as I moved on to different companies, a lot of my learning in, in finance was on the job and independent learning. And then I really, I really did think that accounting was it because it came naturally to me. So I was like, yes, I found my thing. I don't have to search anymore. This is my purpose. I know it. I know it. I do it well. But as I look back on my journey, I realized that wasn't necessarily my dream. It wasn't while I did it, it paid the bills and I convinced myself that I, you know, I could do this forever. I didn't really enjoy it. I'm a more creative person. I like to write. I like to create anything creative wise. Trust me, I have tried it, you know, but Growing up in the Caribbean, you know, you're taught that the arts don't pay the bills. So I never really saw something like that as a career for me to do, you know, to support my family. So it was always like a side gig. I was always creating little crafts and selling them on the side and whatnot. It wasn't until, you know, I would say just before I had my daughter, I was like, I can't do this nine to five anymore. It's really... I need that creative outlet. I need to do something that I'm passionate about. Still didn't know what it is. And I did quit my job after I had my daughter um, to do some soul searching. I to spend some time with her, but to do some soul searching, what is it that I can wake up and enjoy doing? In a weird way, I found it, not in the way I expected to, (laughs) but I'm happy that I did falling to, to, to writing. And I really, I don't see myself ever going back.
1: Wow. That's, that's a really amazing story. And I'm so glad that we set this up because we're going to be talking about, you know, mental health. And I just think that it's such an important message for people listening to hear that, you know, it's, it's all about balance, right? Like Mm -hmm. I know I've heard the same thing um, (laughs) talking about like, not, like not the arts aren't or going down that creative path isn't going to be the smartest decision. But at the end of the day, we only have one life and we want to make sure that it's the happiest life that we can, can live. And especially as moms, like we want to show our children that you don't have to be miserable, even if it's something that you're really good at. Um, And if you're not, if it doesn't make you happy, like we live in a day and age where there's so many options. And I think a lot of times we, you know, the narrative is that, you know, you work really hard for the man and you make the money and then that's the way it's supposed to be. But mm-hmm. there are so many other options out there. If you're willing to put in the time and the effort and really be able to um, commit to those things. So, and especially, you know, with your story and having such a traumatizing um, time so early on being able to um, get to that point where you're like, I I want to do something that I love. So I think that's great and very inspirational and very in line with for my podcast here is, you know, it's clean living made easy, but it's really truly about taking control of the things that you can and getting to a place where you can um, feel balanced and happy and And okay with the decisions that you're making. So Mm -hmm. I love that you laid all that out there. And I'm super pumped to kind of dive into the weeds a little bit and talk more about um, mental health. So um, let's talk about parenting, because that came up a little bit. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we all know how challenging it can be to juggle all the things. And especially when you're trying to, you know, follow your passion, right? So Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that like how has your experience like as a parent influenced your perspective on just mental health in general and how does that um get reflected in your writing
0: Um like I said um from, well I always tell people and new new moms that when you have a child like your outlook on life shifts like like that I mean I started to look at life in a different lens and I kind of my relationship with my mom actually got better when I became a mom, because now I understood why she did certain things. Um, And I would say my daughter really was like, as small as she was, she was like my little backbone. She was that little thing that kept me motivated and kept me going because there were times when I wanted to give up. Let me tell you, like I said, I started, I didn't take the traditional route. Um, and I had, I really had to work hard to get where I am. It, It was lots of like, um, hard work and dedication to, to, to accomplish some of the things that I did to work harder than everyone else who had a degree until I could afford to pay to get my certification, to kind of put, you know, some kind of backing behind my name. And it was a really, it was a real struggle. I wanted to give up a, a lot. And I always said to myself, my daughter already lost one parent. She cannot lose another. So Whenever I, I I encounter difficulties and hardship, like my maternal instincts kicked in, and that you know kind of propelled me forward. So my love for my children, I take that and I channel that into everything I do. So like my blog is really a labor of love. Truly, it really is a labor of love. It's like a Extension of my love for my kids into other things. But on the flip side now, uh, at one point my kids became my whole world and they do, you know, they do take up a lot of your time and it's the school, getting them ready for school and the dinner and the after school program is like trying to balance everything. And I realized that I wasn't doing the things that I needed to do to take care of myself properly. So I became exhausted all the time. I became more irritable and I, Like we, like you said, like there wasn't much balance in my life. So I had to get to a space where I kind of had to take a stop and look at what I'm really doing, because that really was one of the issues that led to my manic episodes. So when I write, I'm writing about self-care and creating ease. And even in the conversation that I have with other parents in my parenting group, um, or through conversation with anybody that I meet, is that teaching them that self care and taking care of yourself first is not selfish. It's one of those gifts that keep on giving. And what else can I say? It's like that's that's basically it's one is one of those gifts that just keep on giving. You can't you can't go wrong because if you can, if you're not taking care of yourself, how can you take care of the people that depend on you?
1: Right. That's so true. Yeah. And it's it's um it's comp I think it's a complicated thing for everyone, especially again going back to narratives, right? Like, um it's kind of just a narrative that taking time for yourself is considered selfish. But like, why is that a bad word? Why is that so bad? Like we we know the Research has shown we know we can feel the difference when we've taken care of ourselves and how we're able to show up as a parent and as a friend, as a wife, as a daughter, as a, you know, all the things. We know that to be true, but why is there still that little? voice in the back of our head, and then put that on top of, you know, having mental challenges, whether Mm -hmm. it's bipolar, ADHD, you know, so many people are depression, anxiety, like there's so many things that, you know, especially in this day and age, um, we're dealing with, and then trying to balance that all out. So can you give some tips on how you do that in your life? Like, how do you find those moments of serenity amidst the chaos of parenthood and juggling all the things?
0: That's a great (laughs) question. (laughs) That's a great (laughs) question. First and foremost, you have to acknowledge all the work that you're doing and know that you're doing a great job. And by doing so, allow yourself some grace. There is no such thing as a perfect parent. I know we go on Instagram and look at these celebrities and these people that we look up to, or even our neighbors and our friends and say, oh my God, she's doing such a great job. And we compare ourselves, but you have to allow yourself grace. It's still a learning process. One of the things that I practice with my kids, and it's, it's 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 weird in in our in my culture from our Afro-Caribbean culture, is like kids are supposed to be seen, not heard, but I allow for open communication, and I allow my daughter to give me feedback on what I'm doing, so she, she's not shy at all, with telling me, hey, mommy, you know that I think this was a little bit unfair, or here's what you're doing wrong, you know, or here's what you're doing right, um, and if we do disagree on something, we have that space where we can communicate and say, okay, here's why mommy's doing this. You might not agree with it, you know, but it's for your best interest or, you know, and we have that back and forth on it until we come to some kind of agreement or whatnot. Mm-hmm.
1: Second- I, lo- I love that because I do think having more information, especially when it comes to parenting decisions, mm-hmm. is so important. and you know, definitely has not been the norm just generationally up until recently. So, and culturally, as you were referring to, um, and I think that's so amazing. Like, how do you start those conversations with your children, asking them for feedback?
0: Um, You know, like I said, it's something that I put into practice ever since she was young, because growing up, like, I would, I would say that I didn't really have much of a say. It was do as you're told and because I said so. That was true because I said so, and it's like I saw gaps and places where I wish I could, I could come to my mom and say certain things or have a feedback, you know, you know, and have some kind of reach change. Because to be honest, there is we we there there's no guidebook to parenting. You're learning as you're going. Really, actually, my first child is is my experiment. You know, you kind of try your best with them. And in my opinion, I think our number one goal is to not not screw them up or screw them up as as small as possible. Yeah, I mean, it's inevitable, but yeah, not screw
1: them up as (laughs) as much as, you know. I don't
0: want to be the parent parent that she has to heal from.
1: Right. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So it's like, I saw things that I, I felt that I was lacking in my own childhood. And I, from a, as young as she was, I tried to have those conversations with her and whatnot. So she became comfortable because I knew what I needed at her, at her age. And as she becomes into teenage, becomes a teenager, you know, that's a whole ball thing. I've never parented a teenager before, you know, that's something new for me. So that's that's a learning process for both of us, and when her siblings get to that age, I will have a little bit more information to work with. Right. So I would say that there is is a, is is a tip.
1: Yeah, you know, let's, no, let's those start. are great tips. I mean, I think you know, just thinking about the takeaways there is communication mm-hmm. is key, and just having that open line of communication, and in those moments of frustration or you know feeling like you you need to give yourself some self-love being open and honest about that with your children i think that's because you know growing up thinking that your parents don't have struggles is not helpful either so just letting them know that and then um, and then just giving yourself grace and being patient hey there jessica here ready to make cleaning at home a breeze while also playing your part in protecting our planet Let me introduce you to a game changer, the force of nature system. I have been using force of nature for years and love how it uses a unique technology to transform simple ingredients, water, a capsule of salt, vinegar, and water, and a slight charge of electricity into a household cleaner and disinfectant that's as effective as traditional bleach. But here's the thing, it does all of this without any harmful chemicals or irritants. It's hypoallergenic and EPA registered for disinfecting and sanitizing. It eliminates 99.9% of germs, including viruses, bacteria, mold, and mildew. Force of Nature is more than just a powerful cleaner. It's a sustainable solution that helps you to reduce waste. Say goodbye to single-use plastic bottles and say hello to Force of Nature's eco-friendly system. So why wait? Head over to cleanproductjunkie.com forward slash force of nature and get the latest exclusive coupon codes that can save you up to 50% step into a cleaner, safer, and greener home with force of nature. Hey friends, it's your host, Jessica. I'm sure like me, you're passionate about creating a healthy, safe home for your loved ones. Did you ever hold a product in your hand, trying to make sense of the long list of ingredients that seem to require a PhD to understand? I've had that same experience too. That's why I created a completely free label reading guide to help you demystify what's really in your household products. My guide zeroes in on the top three most harmful ingredients you need to look out for, making it easier than ever to spot and avoid them. Armed with this guide, you'll feel empowered, capable of making informed decisions for your household, knowing that you're protecting your family from potential toxins. So are you ready to be a master of label reading? Visit freelabelreadingguide.com to download your guide now. Together, we can make clean living truly easy and transform our homes into the safe havens they're meant to be.
0: And I would also like to add um and this is a non-negotiable in my household mommy needs her self-care day <laughs> so even if it's a day like me or a period of time that's just for you I cannot tell you how much of a better parent I think I've become because I've had that space to just do whatever so they know on a Saturday mommy's not cooking we're gonna get takeout mommy's not cleaning so if y'all want a clean space y'all better clean that to clean it to yourself, you know, that is my day to kind of refresh and do whatever, whatever I want to do, even if it means sitting down and watching Netflix and, you know, eating popcorn in my jammies.
1: That's right. Know, that well, is- and again,
0: that's showing them how, the
1: importance of self-care and self-love, exactly. and that will be passed down. So... That's ma- That's major. I mean, it's huge. And I, I do think like another takeaway from, you know, this chat here is how wow. doing these things consistently is going to help keep you from burnout and mm-hmm. from getting to that point where you're, you, you feel like you're at the end of your rope. So, which I know so many parents can relate to you and getting to that place. So having those um, designated times and. Just understanding how putting that effort in on a consistent basis has a much bigger effect than running yourself ragged for months on end and then, like, okay, exactly. I need a weekend away, right? Mm-hmm. Which is always still welcome.
0: <laughs> it's it's always always a I, I, <laughs> 10 million weekends away. Like, I, before we got on, I told you I haven't had a proper vacation in like six years. I haven't left okay, the island. Yeah. You need yourself a vacation. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, So yeah, let's talk a little bit more about like mental health. Your blog Mm -hmm. talks a lot about um, like your experience with bipolar disorder and how it shaped your mission to tackle that mental health stigma Um, Mm -hmm. for you. It's, you know, in your area where you live, but I think it's a, um, it's a conversation and a topic that stretches beyond i mean everyone can really relate to this and okay. um, yeah can you just kind of dive into that a little bit more
0: okay sure um so like i said from the caribbean my parents are jamaica and i grew up in jamaica and i've definitely seen uh, um, family members who had mental health issues and we i would say sadly enough that we don't take it seriously as it should be, or we 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 classify it as something else. Um but it's never like a mental health issue. It's one of those things that you 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 go to your grave which you don't talk about. It's not normal at all. And as I talk more with other people from the Caribbean, you know, it's like I said, it's not a normal discussion. Versus, you know, people in the States, you hear people talk about going to therapy often, it's it's normal, but down here, it's like, what are you going to therapy for? What's wrong with you? Go, go to church, you know, pray it away. You know, so that with the Caribbean, Afro-Caribbean culture and the religious aspect of that is like, why are you going to a therapist? You need to go to church and pray to God and ask for deliverance. And you're not reading your Bible enough. All of those things prevent people from getting the support that they actually need. So for me, like I said, I told you that I was a teen mom. I told you that I lost my partner. Right afterwards, I didn't have time to properly process those things. So, as these and being one of the youngest people in these corporate offices, you know, a lot of people are friendly. And when you're rising so quickly, you know, not a lot of people treat you. Right, you know, they you're you're just thinking, okay, I'm trying to make a living like anybody, everybody else. Why are these people so mean to me for no reason? So these little things, over and over and over time, that don't get dealt with, that I pushed on the inside until I just imploded. So I I had my first manic episode shortly after I gave birth to my 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 daughter, um, and I think it was the stress of. Dealing with a newborn, plus I had quit my job and I'm going full time into entrepreneurship and dealing with that, trying to provide for your family, you know all of these pressures on you. I think it was just one, of the, the, they say the straw that broke the camel's back. So it was just one little thing, and I and I just, I would say, lost my mind for a few days, <laughs> and in that process trying to understand Now, when i got diagnosed i did not accept it at all because my only reference at the time was kanye he was doing what he was doing i was like oh lord jesus and i'm seeing how people are reacting to that to be associated with that during that time like oh my god why me are you sure you know ask for a second opinion you know Asked for his differential analysis. How do you come up with this, <laughs> this diagnosis so quickly? You just sat down with right. me. I think you got minutes. the wrong person. <laughs> exactly. It just cannot be me. And moving from that to acceptance and now dealing with the changes, the medication, my body has never been on something like this. You know, the impact of the, the medication and, uh, on my mood stabilizers. Um, there was a point where my body was adjusting to my medication and I couldn't feel any emotion my doctor is going to explain couldn't tell me why that was and i had no one to talk to where i asked were the other people on island that that were that what were that bipolar they were like, yes you know we want to do we want we tried having like a group set therapy session like you know like we see on tv and nobody wanted to do it because nobody wants to, you know the other person to know you know their business because it's a small island you know thrown thrown throw away you, you see your boss you know you're gonna pass your boss, your boss in the supermarket you know everybody knows pr- pretty much knows everybody here it's like living in a small town and dealing with that i have no one who's actually living this i had to resort to going online and going to Trying to find online forums, find some sort of information to help me explain what's going on with me. And I had no one. And out of my frustration, I said, you know what? I know that I'm not the only person. I'm gonna talk about this. My family were against it, but I'm I consider myself the rebel of the family. I'm gonna do what I want. <laughs> It's either you get on board or you stay over there because I'm doing this. You're going to join the party or not. And when I put up my first few blog posts and I shared my story, oh my God, the messages and feedback that I got from that was amazing. But it was also as amazing as it was for being well-received. It was a little heartbreaking because there are people that were close to me that were experiencing the same thing i was going through and i didn't know and when i was going through that time and i share more in depth on my blog about my story um there was close friends that i could come that i could call and say you know okay hey girl are you experiencing this and i couldn't because of the shame and the stigma and i was like no we can't, I can't go through this anymore. My people and my community need a space, need a safe space that they can talk about these things. You know, so this is all about, I would say it's a blessing in disguise. I would say it's one of the best things that happened to me. You know, I appreciate, I didn't appreciate it when it happened, but I'm appreciating it now to to, to allow for that space for people to to have, um, to to talk about mental health, a friend of mine had a held hosted a health and wellness expo the other day, where we talked about mental health and all these things. I'm like, oh my god, it just takes one person to create that ripple, and I'm seeing other people doing more things. I'm like, this is what we need in this region, you know. So that's my that's my two cents on that. Oh my I gosh, say.
1: like that is just so. I'm like so emotional hearing you. Talk about. Don't you dare don't you make me cry. <laughs> oh, it's just <laughs> so incredible how, you know, you put yourself out there and it's scary, right? It's so so scary. But just knowing that for you it was a therapeutic kind of thing and you weren't really you didn't really know what to expect on the other side, mm-hmm. but I think it's such a great example. I mean, culturally like even just in my my experience, like um, generationally dealing with people in my life, you know, skeptical about talking about these things, going to a therapist, getting on medication. um, It's just very challenging, especially when you've got so many people in your life that are telling you that you, you don't need that or that you shouldn't do that, you know. So I just commend you for taking those steps anyways. And And I'm just so glad to hear that on the other side of this, like you're helping people in your community, and it's just really, really, really awesome. So thank you for sharing that. I'm excited to see how it all plays out. I mean, your blog's only been out for a year, so this
0: is the beginning of amazing things. Exactly, and you know when when I hit that earlier this month, I sat down on my in my office and I started to cry because I got. so a gentleman from Ohio reached out to me and he wanted to share his story. And so he was a, he's an ex-white supremacist. And he talked about mental health issues in in prison and how he changed his life. And he's a part, he's trying to, um, Work against hate crimes and whatnot and he speaks about black lives matter and whatnot and he speaks on those events and i I just sat there for a moment in in just awe and just complete gratitude because like you said, when I started this it was therapeutic, and i didn't realize where I would be today so currently we we're being read in like sixty six different countries, and that's amazing to me like we're Tartola is a little tiny speck (laughs) on the map. Like when you look on the map, you can barely see it. So to have to be so far reaching already, imagine the the impact in five years and 10 years, imagine the level of conversation that we're going to be having. Um, Yes, it's frustrating sometimes culturally, you know, trying to get them, other people on the the ride with you. But something that my therapist said to me that I had to come to terms with the change that I want to see. I may not be around to see it. However, I'm paving the way for other people coming along. So it may not be me, you know, yes, I see a lot of potential in the Caribbean, you know, and what, where I want to see mental health and the conversation all around mental health to be, but knowing that if it's not me, making the change. I'm I'm still a footnote in the story and someone, it would be a lot easier for the next person to come along.
1: Well, that's right. You've got a bright shining light out there for other people to be attracted to that then can Mm -hmm. carry this on. And it's just going to get brighter and brighter as the years go on. And I think, you know, just having that light there so people know that there's a safe space for them. There's a safe place for them (laughs) to talk about these issues I don't understand how it's not more normal. I mean, I guess because, you know, it is becoming more normal. You, like you mentioned here in the United States, where I live and the life that I live, I try to be very open about mental health challenges because I have had that ex- experience. I have postpartum depression and right. I didn't realize I had it um, for a couple of years. But once I did, and I was able to verbalize that and talk to other people, I got, you know, help. I saw a therapist, took medication, but also I found community. And I think that was just as powerful as doing those other two things. And so it's, you know, it's just so important what you're doing. And there are, there is no, area in the world that is not affected by mental health challenges. So to be that resource for your local community, and then coming on to, you know, podcasts, like, I hope (laughs) this is one your first of many, because your message is so powerful. And you have this, you know, very clear example of what one person shining that light can do to a community. And that Mm -hmm. reverberates, you know, across the world, like that is huge. Um and I think sometimes we need to see those tangible results oh, to exactly. be inspired to continue to do this. I I just know I'm from the Midwest. I'm from Kansas originally. Mental mm-hmm. health is, you know, I live on the East Coast now. It's much more acceptable to talk about mental health challenges, but coming from, you know, a smaller community, that mm-hmm. was not something that was talked about and oftentimes mm-hmm. people that, you know, were diagnosed or did come out and talk about it were stigmatized and it's, you know, Definitely something that everyone can relate to, I think, just being, feeling like, okay, something I'm struggling with, I don't know if I should talk about it. So I hope that your story inspires them to say, yes, let's talk about, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to step out there, get uncomfortable, and I'm going to (laughs) be that light for someone else because it's really not about you. Yes, it's therapeutic, but also you're going out there talking about it to help someone else too.
0: Exactly. And you said something really important was community. Community is really important. You have to, in this life, you have to find your tribe. And one of the things that you also have to realize is sometimes your tribe exists outside of the one you, you were born into. So it's all about community. It makes it a lot more easier when you're with your people.
1: Yeah, you're so right. I mean, we're all individuals, right? And we're born into certain we're born into our families into certain circumstances. Um, everybody has their stories that they bring with them throughout their lives, the impressions that they got from their families growing up. Mm-hmm. And so it's really about accepting that the way that you choose to deal with things or what you need might not necessarily be what your family can give. It's a really hard it's a really hard yeah. thing to grapple with. And exactly. um, and I love like what you said before, you know, like you're, you go against the grain, right? And so you're like, <laughs> you can either follow me or just, you know, stay on the stay side there. Kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah, but that's hard. It's hard for a lot of people to like feel like they're going against the grain of their family and that they're going to disappoint them. But I think most people can, you know, that have stepped over, you know, And and Mm -hmm. their hearts and their passion can say that most of the time families, maybe not initially, but eventually appreciate them doing doing that and taking the step out. Because sometimes it's like, you know, there are people that are suffering with mental health challenges in a family where there there are others and no one else had the courage to do it. So then that gives them the freedom to be able to then talk to, you know, whoever took that step out um, about their challenges. So. Exactly. so like we were talking about, you know, you, um, leading the way for others and future generations and being a footnote in this story, but in your perfect world, like, what do you see the future of mental health conversations and, and, you know, what, ho- what role do you hope to play in that evolution? I would say
0: that definitely definitely more open conversation about the topic and i will be a part of those conversations um the more we talk about it and the more, the more normal it becomes and especially in the caribbean like i said with these conversations is it's 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 not no you, know, you just don't discuss it so but by talking about them, the more we learn, the more we clear up some misinformation around mental health and mental issues. It's like, for example, where I'm from here is like the word bipolar gets thrown around. You know, at least a person has a little, becomes emotional about something. Oh, you're, oh, she bipolar. And it's like, in it's my little- It's like word, an insult. Exactly. And I try not to get- Insulted by it, I use that opportunity to inform and educate yeah oh, that's and great one time um I had a doctor's appointment, and i have a I have a thing if I have an appointment for one o'clock, why am I getting seen at three or three p m that doesn't make sense, <laughs> So I was very upset about that incident, and I went to my friend, he has a barbershop, and i was they never see me like upset, so he was like, "What? Well, you're just feeling bipolar today?" No, he didn't know I'm actually bipolar, but I, just, I had a moment and I and I corrected him in a respectful way. And I said, by the way, I am bipolar. And he like, Oh my god, I didn't know, but that's not the point. Is that we throw these, these these terms around, but we don't actually know what it means. So taking that time to not be offended, to educate because he didn't really mean it like that. But it's something right. that we hear and it's being repeated like if you ask a person what it means to be diabetic. They know what diabetes is is, but do they really know what it is? Right. So that's that you know, you take that time to educate, you know, when these things come up, you know. Yeah. I don't get yeah. You know.
1: yeah. No, I think that's important. because um, yeah, like you said, a lot of times people don't realize um mm-hmm. what they're saying and then the potential implications that they could have. Um and right. yeah, it's an opportunity to educate. Like it's, you know, it's not something to be ashamed of and it should never be meant as an
0: insult in any way. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think that's great that you do that. Because um, if it wasn't me, then it would probably would be, What if it was another person and they don't, then they haven't gotten the treatment they, that would kind of right. in my opinion, put them further into a hole and make them retreat into themselves.
1: Well, no, that's true. And especially, um, you know, as people are dealing with, you know, mental health challenges on any level, um, hearing those kinds of things can l- hang with them for a very, very long time. And I'm sure that the person that said that does not have the intention to have that effect. But just knowing that it could have long lasting implications to someone, if you say it, would hopefully, you know, help them choose different words.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, this has been really amazing. I've really, really enjoyed this conversation. And I think, you know, everybody listening will have too. Is there anything that you want to like leave out there to end things with? A message that you want people to take with them?
0: I would say that in everything that you do, knowing that simply being you has an impact. you don't need a degree for that. You don't need tons of money. You don't need X, Y, and Z. You don't need to be a celebrity to have an impact. Simply being you and knowing that you are purpose. So we go through life searching for a purpose, but um, something that I find so fulfilling and grateful to know that when I was created, I was purpose. And my writing and everything else I do is just a means of me fulfilling my purpose. So I would say whatever makes you you, whatever makes you unique, go forth and do that because that's the way you make your impression on the world.
1: Oh, that's powerful. (laughs) It's so powerful because I think it's very, very common for people to be constantly looking for their purpose and not ever finding it. You got to look inward, right? Yeah. Wow. Okay, well that's a great note to
0: leave. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> well, thank you for being here. Where can people find you? So you can find me on Facebook, Melanie A. Hendricks. It's spelled melon with E-Y. Um, I'll make sure tried. to put it in the show notes too, but that's a good way to describe it. My mom's trying to be unique. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can also find my blog at, um, dopamine on You can find me on Instagram at dopamine on the And like I said, if you need to talk with someone or just have an empathetic ear, I'm here for you. Um, if you need to, you know, share ideas, hear more about my story, you know, definitely reach out. I'm really, really open to having conversation with anyone and know about this matter.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm excited to see how everything unfolds for you over the next five, 10 years. So thanks again for being here (laughs) on the podcast for the first one. And I will, yeah, I'll put make sure put everything in the show notes. So thanks again for being here.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I really, really appreciate you. Thanks for listening to the Clean Living Made Easy podcast.
1: If you want more, head over to cleanlivingmadeeasypodcast.com for show notes and links to all the products or discount codes mentioned in today's episode. If you'd like to be notified when new podcast episodes are released or to join the Clean Product Junkie community, head over to cleanproductjunkie.com and join our mailing list. See you in the next episode.